It's that time, America. Your very own nationally award-winning family radio talk show. Let's Talk America with host Shayla Thornton is set to air now. We feature the trending news stories, the timely interviews you want to hear, and the hottest music in the industry. This show truly is news talk for everyone. Let others know right now that you're tuned in to quality news talk that matters. You're listening to Let's Talk America with host Shayna Thornton. The broadcast begins now, now, now. Well, good Tuesday evening to you and welcome to the national award-winning news talk program, Let's Talk America, with host Shana Thornton. And of course, I am Shana, and I'm so excited and honored that you've opted to join us live for this Tuesday broadcast. It is August 22nd, 2017. Welcome to a brand new week and of course, a brand new broadcast episode for us here at Let's Talk America Radio. I trust you're having one phenomenal month of August and we are quickly approaching the end of August. Can you believe that? I don't need to tell you that many of the primary schools are back in session now with colleges set to kick off their academic year very soon. But I will please ask that you stay with us for the upcoming week for more original programming and balanced news talk for you and every single member in your household. We have some very unique and engaging content aimed to keep you informed in a very timely manner. Now, please remember that we offer quality and professional news talk in a very busy, a very crowded and congested industry, right? You know that. I would say that if this is your very first time tuning in to Let's Talk America Radio, you are in for a delight, and we certainly hope that you return. Keep in mind that you can listen to any replay podcast at your convenience. Simply visit ltaradio.com. Again, that's ltaradio.com for more information. Now, Let's Talk America Radio is a national award-winning family radio program offering informative news talk for every single member of your household. And I do want to point out and emphasize, regardless of generation, see, we seek news that's objective and professional and that allows you to stay informed and make the decisions best for you and your family members. Now, we've had the amazing opportunity to be on air for four years, and we've had the amazing opportunity to present exclusive interviews on so many diverse topics out there with the leading experts, advocates, and celebrity guests. We will continue to cover the issues related to health, law, politics, education, business, finance, music, pop culture, and so much more. We continue to cover the gamut, and tonight is no exception, so stay tuned in. Right now, we would ask that you please use the hashtag LTA Radio. Please use the hashtag LTA Radio, all caps or lowercase, it doesn't matter, but use this hashtag on your favorite social media outlet. Perhaps it's the famous Facebook, it's Twitter, it's Snapchat, maybe it's Instagram, or even Pinterest. Hey, we're out there and we'd love to know you are tuning in. And that's if you're tuning in live or if you happen to be listening to the replay podcast. There's a great reason why we want you to use that hashtag. One, it allows you to let others know that you are tuned in to quality news talk that informs. And the second reason, we can find you here. Our team at Let's Talk America Radio, we love connecting with listeners, okay? New listeners or listeners that have been with us from day one, we want to continue to connect with you because we do follow back. Well, I told you that tonight is no exception. We will continue to cover the gamut of news. So let's get ready to be informed with the trending issues. 
First off, are you addicted to your cell phone? That's right, I said it. Smartphones are so central to our lives that being separated from them for any length of time can often put people into a high state of anxiety. That's right. Clinical forensic psychologist Dr. John Huber joins us tonight, and he's going to discuss smartphone separation anxiety. He's going to break it down and tell us what it is and if there's a way for you to get help because he's afraid. And other experts are saying it may be actually separating you from what really matters to people in your life. Stay tuned in for this very trending news story. Up second, from celebrity fad dives to popular Instagram feeds and clean eating blogs, it appears to be trendy for some people to actually ditch dairy products. Yet some experts say going dairy-free may have its downfalls, especially for our young children. Now, as kids across the nation are making their way back to school, Dr. Tanya Altman joins us tonight to discuss the dilemma that many parents are facing right now. Should you go dairy-free? She's going to break it down and give her perspective on this very important health topic. And lastly, osteoporosis isn't your grandmother's disease anymore. Women as young as 50 years old can be impacted. In fact, a fracture could be the first clue that a postmenopausal woman has a silent disease. Well, tonight, gynecologist Dr. Tara Ullman joins us to help clarify some of the fractured truths or the urban myths that are out there, okay? She's going to break down everything we need to know. And if you are thinking you are a member of Generation Z or a millennial or Generation X, this conversation is very relevant to you, okay? She's going to offer some advice for young women as young as 16 or 17, things we need to be doing now to help combat osteoporosis. Well, you can see that our lineup is an impressive one and it's a versatile one, okay? We continue to offer quality and objective news talk. Now, keep in mind that our signature in the news will air in mere minutes and that's where we highlight the top trending news of the day. And it's been a busy day. I don't need to tell you that if you've been out on social media, we're going to keep you informed of those issues. You know we love timely news, great talk, and also phenomenal music. And tonight, I'm so excited to present the music of a personal friend of ours here on the show, Davina Williams, Atlanta-based gospel vocalist. Her new music will join us tonight on the program. It's a complete show, but it's not a very long one, so you want to stay with us. And right now, please inbox or message any of your family, friends, colleagues, hey, even your next-door neighbor, and let them know that Let's Talk America with host Shayna Thornton Radio Show is broadcasting now. And we have quality talk that aims to keep you informed. So tomorrow, when you're on the soccer field, or you're talking to your kid's teacher, or if you're at the water cooler at work, you know exactly what's going on, and you're able to uh, give your input in a very educational or very informed manner. You're listening to Let's Talk America Radio. We offer news, talk, and music. Hi, this is college senior at the College of Worcester, Brenda Core, and you're listening to Let's Talk America Radio with Shayna Thornton. Bold Favorite Magazine is the leadership lifestyle magazine highlighting bold people, organizations, and causes that inspire us to live fearlessly. Feature your business to our email list of 250,000 people all over the globe and on our engaged social media platforms. Bold Favorite prides itself on pairing your business with empowering articles and profiles to ensure you are seen and appreciated by people who want to support you. And bonus, advertise with us to feature your product on television programs produced by our parent company at no additional cost. Visit BoldFavorMagazine.com or call 866 611-3753 to get started today. 
the future favors the bold. Be fearless. Welcome back, listeners, to Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton Radio Show. You are tuned in for quality news, talk, and music. We'd be remiss if we did not thank our national sponsors and partners. Your work and your efforts mean everything to us. So thank you for sticking with us, okay? If you are ever interested in partnering with Let's Talk America Radio for some innovative branding and marketing, please shoot us a quick email at admin at ltaradio.com. Again, you can email us at admin at ltaradio.com. Of course, I'd be remiss if I did not thank our listeners. Our listeners mean everything. After all, this show has been on the air for four years because of our listeners, right? They tune in each week. If it's not with the live broadcast, it's with the replay episodes uh, through our podcast system. Thank you so much. And, and many of you have told family and friends about us. We've gotten the feedback that many of our new listeners have heard about the show from our existing and established listening base. And that means so much to us. So continue to stay with us because we will continue to offer new quality programming, okay? 2017, we're just getting started. We have so much more for you. Well, everyone, it is now time for our Trending in the News, and this is where we highlight the top trending news of the day, and it's been a busy day. There's a lot that's been going on in the last few days, as you know, and we're going to keep you abreast of the latest in those developments. Now, I have to do a quick housekeeping note. Let's Talk America Radio has partnered with the one and only SCB TV Channel 182 on the Charter Network out of Georgia, and there we present the televised edition of In the News, okay? So check it out. The quickest way to do that is visit our website at ltaradio.com. Again, visit ltaradio.com, and you're going to click on the Vimeo link, and there you can watch our televised footage of our In the News segment, okay? Stick with us, and remember, always tell a friend. Well, let's kick the news off for today in the news for Tuesday, August 22nd. In the news, U.S. Navy incident. We now know that the remains of the 10 sailors that were missing with the U.S. Navy have been found and five were injured. After a guided missile destroyer, USS John S. McCain collided with an oil tanker in waters east of Singapore early Monday. Now, early reports indicate that the destroyer sustained damage to her port side. Now, the search and rescue efforts went on over the weekend, but as stated earlier, the remains of those 10 sailors were found just today. Now, the serious collision was reported at 624 a.m. Japan Standard Time. The U.S. military ship was heading to port under its own power. The other ship involved in the accident was a 600-foot merchant vessel containing oil with a gross tonnage of around 30,000. The tanker was about three times the size of the USS McCain, according to reports. The latest incident abroad represents the second serious collision for a Navy vessel in just two months. We will keep you posted. In the news, terrorist attacks in Spain. Authorities in Spain continue to search for a member of an Islamic extremist cell that staged vehicle attacks in Barcelona and a seaside resort just last week. Police have reported that the continued manhunt is centered on a man from Morocco suspected of driving a van that plowed into a group of people in Barcelona on Thursday, killing 13 people and injuring 120. Now, another attack early Friday killed one person and wounded five at a resort. Now, the manhunt has extended to all of Spain and southern France. We will keep you posted as more details emerge. And lastly, in the news, passing of two famous comedians. Comet trailblazer and civil rights activist Dick Gregory died 
died this past Saturday at the age of 84. Gregory had been admitted to a Washington, D.C. hospital a week ago for symptoms of heart failure. Also, legendary comedian and health advocate Jerry Lewis died Sunday at the age of 91. It's being reported that Lewis died at home of natural causes. Countless fans have taken to social media to express condolences for both well-known entertainers. Well, everyone, this concludes tonight's edition of In the News, but stay with us. We keep you connected with the latest breaking news 24 hours a day. Simply join us on Twitter. Our handle there is SS Thornton. Our handle on Twitter is S-S-T-H-O-R-N-T-O-N. We have more information for you. And speaking of information, in mere minutes, we'll be rejoined by a leading forensic psychologist that wants to let you know that your smartphone, that cell phone device that you may be listening to us on right now, or that you're texting someone on, may actually be a danger to your social life, your emotional well-being. You've got to hear this exclusive interview because it's one that's timely for someone listening in. We've got to stay informed with the topics because after all, our lives matter. You're listening to Let's Talk America Radio. We offer news, talk, and music. It was Out of Love, a true love story of deception, grace, and forgiveness by sensational Arthur James Marr. It's a powerful book that will truly inspire you. In this bizarre but true love story, a husband unravels the mystery surrounding his wife's 30-year deception and discovers the true meaning of God's grace and forgiveness. All readers will gain from this phenomenal life story. Get a copy of the book for yourself or for a loved one. Download the free ebook at www.itwasoutoflove.com. Again, get your free ebook version of this phenomenal book by visiting www.itwasoutoflove.com. It was out of love, a true love story of deception, grace, and forgiveness by Arthur James Marr. Welcome back, everyone. It is now time for our Inspirational Corner, and this is where we highlight one motivational statement intended to get you through your week. Tonight's statement says, The happiest people don't have the best of everything. They just make the best of everything they have. Again, tonight's statement says, The happiest people don't have the best of everything. They just make the best of everything they have. And oh, so true. You know, many people daydream about the perfect life, the perfect situation. Well, it simply doesn't exist. But what people who are happy or find themselves content most of the time, I think the ability they have that's amazing, that makes it all worthwhile, is that they say, hey, this is what I have and I'm making the best of it right now. Always hoping and pushing for more, but they certainly don't take for granted the moment they are in. Let's not be so quick in a hurry to wish our lives away. Enjoy the moment and be grateful. And remember, hey, there's always someone that doesn't quite have what you have, so be thankful for what you have. I hope you have one phenomenal, happy life. Well, everyone, in mere seconds, talking about happiness, if you're aware from your cell phone for one minute, how do you feel? If you happen to leave it at home and you're at work all day, do you feel empty? Do you feel nervous? Do you feel antsy? Well, our next expert doesn't think that's normal and doesn't think that's okay. Are you addicted to your cellular phone? Our next featured guest has some great information for you to stay as healthy and grounded as stable as ever. Tell a friend, Let's Talk America Radio is airing now. I'm so far from you. 
This is Atlanta-based gospel singer Davina Williams. You can find me at www.davinawilliams.wix.com slash gospel singer. And you are listening to Let's Talk America with host Shane Thornton. Yeah. Welcome back, listeners, to your national award-winning news talk program, Let's Talk America. Well, of course, here on the program, we put the spotlight on the trending topics you want to know more about, and I don't need to tell anyone that our cell phones, our smartphone devices, well, they've been so helpful, right? They allow us to look up questions that our curious kids often ask. I mean, hey, if we have a medical question and we tend to go to it, we can justify it all we like, and there's certainly some good perks. However, is there a dark side to all of this? Are you obsessed with your phone if you're separated from your phone? Are you actually developing anxiety almost as if a toddler from their parent? That's right. All of this is true, and the reality is, are you suffering from it? Well, I'm no expert, but I'm so excited right now to have Texas-based forensic psychologist Dr. John Huber on with us. Doctor, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me on. Excited to have you on. Not so excited to talk about this issue because as I was describing it, I'm saying, okay, well, not so much, but wait a minute. I may know some people that I love and care about that may actually suffer from this condition. Uh, First off, explain how did we get here in modern-day era 2017 that many of us are simply obsessed with a device that has no blood relation to us. It has no blood relationship to us, but in a strange way, it's become part of our, our psyche, our memory. You know, with everything we have in our phone now, I mean, we take all these photos, we leave our friends' messages, on, you know, in their texts forever, and that, that has become part of our, basically, a scrapbook of our life, and, you know, we've never really had anything like that before. Then you compound that with the, the, the fact that the way these apps run, every time you get a message or a like from a friend or a, maybe a so-called friend, you get reinforced with neurotransmitters. You get a dopamine burst. Well, I mean, so it, you obviously know the science of it, the uh, psychology part of it. And me speaking as someone that's not in your field at all, what can be the real danger in this? Because I, I'm just thinking, and I know many of us like to say this about younger generations, if you will. I'm a Generation Xer, but we'll say, well, they, they don't have the social skills. But from your professional perspective, are there some more serious concerns here? Well, you know, I think it starts with the, the fact that they're not learning social skills. They're not learning how to communicate okay. face-to-face in real world. Uh, I get calls from businesses and and they want me to consult with them because they get college graduates who don't know how to answer a telephone in a professional manner because they're so used to responding and having caller ID say it's their friend Bill. So they just go, hey, how you doing? Instead of, (laughs) hi, I'm John. This is Quickie Mart, you know. I mean, and, and, and you're right. I mean, I think when we think of the professional career, we're like, okay, that's a no-no. Let's go deep that more into the personal life, if you will. Okay. I mean, what can this obsession almost or anxiety that the phone's not nearby, what can that do if we're a parent or a guardian and our kids are seeing that? And we're older and we're supposed to be a little more grounded. <laughs> well, if, if we look at anxiety, uh, it, it, it is an evolutionary uh, benefit to us. It helps us stay alive. If you're out walking through the woods and you okay. see a, a bear, your body, the sympathetic nervous system is going to trigger off a set of uh, physiological things that increase your survivability, okay. yeah. increased heart rate, increased okay. respiration, blood flow to your extremities. 
And that's appropriate if there's a physical, you know, if there's a real threat in front of you. If you're having an anxiety attack, that's not appropriate. Okay. You know, and, and it can cause you to react in really bizarre ways. Wow. And, 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 what is, and I'm thinking, what does all of that do when there are other humans around that say, and, 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 and some can say it's maybe a jealousy thing or an envy thing, but saying, you know, you seem more obsessed with the phone than, than us, the real-life people, the kids, the spouse or partner. Well, and part of that is, you know, we're, we're biology, you know, we're a biological animal and our body likes to use the path of least resistance. And we've got a study out right now that shows we took college students and gave them two equivalent tests to measure their cognitive functioning. And we had them take one test with the cell phone where they can see it and one test where we had them get up and move the cell phone into another room. And they retook the test, and when the cell phone was not visible, they scored significantly higher on the test. Wow. And that tells us that our brain is saying, wait a minute, you know, you talked about being able to go look up stuff on your cell phone. Your brain is trying to be efficient, and it doesn't activate centers of your brain to save energy. And so now, now think about you got this cell phone and you're being asked to answer things on demand and our brain's not activated. It takes a while to start that up now. So our phone's there. We have this anxiety attack. We're in front of other people and it feels like, you know, for lack of a better word, a lot of people feel like they're having a heart attack because their body's just physiologically reacting to a, a real threat that's not there. And Everybody, you know, with our lack of social skills we're learning, they don't know how to address it. And the only fix is to have your phone back out. I see. Wow. I mean, and and it's interesting you say that because just based off of observation in restaurants or out and about in the community, I have seen it's almost like people will be fidgeting, trying to find it. And it's like, oh, just even have it in their phone. Not that they're looking anything up. Not that they're looking for missed calls. It's like, here it is. And, again, not coming from your profession, but I'm like, you know, as simple as 15, 20 years ago, cell phones were not mainstream at all. And we seem to be going okay with that. And now for some reason, and I'm guilty of this to a certain degree, if I'm leaving the home or leaving the office and, like, I don't have my cell phone, oh, no, something's wrong, something could happen, and someone's going to miss contacting me. (laughs) I mean, how do we fix the solution? Well, I I know that there's certain things we have to deal with, period. I mean, cell phones and the way we see them today, smartphones, you know, they've been around since about 2007, so we're working on 10 years. They're not going away. You and I live by our phone. Yes. You know, and, and that's not going to change. What we have to do then is we have to adapt. And I think as a species, we're going to. So with families, parents, things like that, I encourage them and my patients to do activities that keep them from being able to use their phone for certain periods of time. Okay. Things like, hey, go outside with your family, go camping. Okay. Go fishing. Nice. nice. Go play basketball. Okay. Go pick up a game of ball, baseball. You know, do things physically active outside. And that does a lot of things for us. You know, we get sunlight, and sunlight actually participates in production of neurotransmitters. It's kind of a long uh, loop, but if you miss sunlight, you don't get enough of it. It's much more difficult for your, for your body and your brain to make the neurotransmitters we need to stay focused and level and neurologically balanced. So it's a lot of different things. 
Wow. I mean, and, and that's some good advice. I think you're right. So let's, you're saying get back outside, get back to the fresh oxygen. And, and I'm assuming, because, you know, I'm sure there are families making this or households are saying, great, I'll go outside and have my cell phone in my back pocket. But maybe <laughs> it's not. Because, I mean, and I'm just imagining this, not saying that it's all about just your household, but if you're at home with the partner or spouse or the kids, it's not that urgent that you have that phone on you 24-7. You can go outside for 20 or even 45 minutes just cell phone free. Cell phone free, and I recommend that, again, let's go back to having dinner as a family. And don't just turn the phones upside down. Turn them off. Give yourself a half hour. Turn the phones off. And be there with your family and invite them to talk. And you may have to be teaching them some social skills, how to have a conversation, what topics aren't appropriate for the kitchen table. Okay. You know, because we're not getting it. Yes, I mean, and I love that. Great advice. I cannot have a clinical forensic psychologist on such as yourself and not ask this question. We're talking about smartphones, but i got to go here to social media, doctor, okay? <laughs> We've got to bring that up because you know and I know that I'm going to just say this. I don't have any studies to back this up, but I'm sure overwhelmingly majority of our engagement on that smartphone device is checking Instagram, checking Snapchat, going to Facebook, seeing what uh, anyone, a public figure, has said on Twitter. I mean, where do you see us right now with social media? Is it healthy or unhealthy for us? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I hate to say the fact that it's probably unhealthy to, you know, it, it is probably for most people. Now, I work in hospitals where I have patients who are stuck in hospitals for months at a time, okay. long-term illnesses. And those social media things keep them connected to the okay, world. Very nice. And it's a benefit for them. So I think for some people it can be, beneficial. But for the majority of us, you know, it's kind of saccharine sweet. It's like we get all the sweetness. We get, we get okay. that endorphin rush when somebody likes us, like when we see somebody walking down the hall and they smile. You know, we get a little bit of an endorphin rush. But there's nothing there. It's, it, it's, it's nutrient <laughs> empty on the cell phone or on the smartphone. Because, you know, when, when you're sick, which one of your friends on your cell phone is going to come make you chicken soup? That's so powerful. That's now, we do, have, we do have some other benefits, though. Child, our teenage pregnancy is significantly on the decline right now. Okay, okay. And so they're not interacting. We know that. And the same okay. thing with sexually transmitted infections. They're on the okay. decline for that age group. Yes. Um, but now what is that going to do to us when we start actually trying to get these people connected and building their own families? They don't know how to talk, and then they don't know how, how to interact as opposite sex. So. Wow. So, I mean, and I, and I want to ask this because you, you went there, you talked about social uh, media interaction and engagement. We've got to ask this. We've got a lot of feedback. We had with some individuals reach out to us on social media and through our email and saying uh, dating apps, if you will. That, that tends to be um, very popular right now in 2017. Not so much 10, 15 years ago, but now they're very popular. Um, I mean, do you see that as something healthy for individuals when they're seeing people? And, and I'm not going to call anybody out specifically, but there are ones where you look at photos and you like, and I think you can actually connect with them just based <laughs> off of what they look like. I mean, to me, I'm going to say this is my, my personal perspective. I do think social media has a lot of perks. We are on it, it being this radio program. Right. I think the, the other side of it is I think sometimes it gives a false reality from my perspective. You really don't know these people just because you're connected on Snapchat or Twitter. And I just hope that we're being responsible as a society, realizing that just because you put that persona out doesn't mean that's who you are. You are, right? 
Oh, definitely. And, you know, you're, you're right. I mean, doing what we do, we're in, we're in the, the media spotlight, and we kind of have to live by that social media. Yeah. And it can be very beneficial. I mean, you know, look at the Absolutely. alerts we get when people are being kidnapped and people yeah. in certain areas get yeah. information. But And you call them dating apps. I don't really think they're dating apps because – nobody's dating. They're just hooking up. They're hookup apps. That, that's correct. I mean, that's And true. so it is true. That's I mean, right. and, that's right. and, and it's, it's sad. I mean, you know, you said nobody was using them 10 or 15 years ago. Well, yeah, 10 or 15 years ago, they were doing the, you know, you know, the online where they really were dating, where you fill out these forms and all that. And they did research back then, and two out of three people were hooking up the first date that they had. Wow. Okay. And then they weren't, they weren't seeing anybody after that. And then, wow. you know, they went through and showed the percentage of people that, on those things that were actually married. And, I mean, it was just yeah. ridiculous. Now you don't even have those filters of having to go through <laughs> that whole process of filling out forms and you know, scanning or mailing things in and stuff like that. It has really, really changed. And going back to the social deficits we're losing because we don't have that face-to-face contract. You know, when somebody really tries to get into a committed relationship, how are they going to deal with conflict? They haven't had practice doing it. They just, you know, when they wanted to hook up, they would go on the apps, they'd flip around, they'd get somebody else who wanted to hook up. They go hook up and it's done and they walk away. So Wow, and, and, and that can have, um, not being a, a moral police here, but that can have some consequences. I know we said for the younger crowd, STDs may be down, but I have read recently that the CDC said some uh, forms of STD are up for those yes. who are in the older population. I mean, you know, over That's 25 us, years yeah. old on those. I don't want to say dating apps, but you call them something else. I mean, so we do have to be uh, responsible, making sure we're being conscientious of all of this. Before you leave us, of course, being a clinical forensic psychologist, our children, okay, many individuals listen to the show are Generation X. Some are baby boomers. Obviously, some are millennials. We have a lot of millennials listening in and some Generation Z. Mm -hmm. The reality is, especially Generation X, millennials, they have young children. They see us on the smartphones. They're saying they want a phone. They're saying this is early as six and seven years old now. Any advice for that parent, that guardian, that prospective parent who's saying, I want to be responsible. I don't want my kid to find themselves in trouble. Any advice that we can sort of guide our kids in as we give them these smartphone devices, saying and justifying, well, they need it just in case they're away from me for emergencies. But we know you can find yourself in other trouble too, especially when you're young. Well, there are apps out there that will shut off the phone for certain periods of time except for the actual phone itself. Okay. Okay. So you can't do data. You can't do texting. It is – so now your phone is truly for an emergency. And you can even limit the numbers that it can call. You know, leave it to 911 and mom and dad or mom and dad and grandparents, something okay. like that. Okay. And, you know, there, there's, there's a small monthly fee on the apps that I've seen that do that. You can limit exactly what sites people go to. You can limit how long, how much data time they get during the day. And in, in a strange way, we did that with our own kids. You know, when they had their computers and stuff, yeah. they'd get up in the morning and want to be on the computers. Well, my wife and I every night would change their password to a okay. 10 to 13-digit number, and then we'd give them a bunch of math problems that they had to put the answers end-to-end wow. together. Smart. So. So before, you know, if they get up, before we get up, they have to go do their math homework before smart. they can get on their computer. That's smart. Wow. Make, them, make them earn it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I talked about getting outside. Say, okay, I need yeah. so much time outside in order for you to get on your phone or get on your data service. Absolutely. 
I guess, and, and I, I'm going to say this, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but as parents, we've got to go back to being parents, right? Not necessarily letting the kid dictate and tell us. Right. We're not there to make the kids happy. The best friends of your children should be same age peers, not, <laughs> not you. You're a parent. When your kids are in their 20s, you know, now maybe you can transition over to being less of a parent and more of a friend. Yeah. But, uh, you know, biologically, we're there to increase their survivability. And that's what we need to be doing. Wow, beautiful. And, uh, what a great conversation, and one I'm sure we're going to have to follow back up on, because please. like you said, smartphone devices aren't going anywhere. So, Deborah, please share with us, our national and international listeners, where they can go about you and your practice, and perhaps more information on this very uh, relevant condition of a smartphone separation anxiety. <laughs> All right. Uh, I am chairman for Mainstream Mental Health, which is a nonprofit organization. We're trying to make mental health issues mainstream. Okay. And you can find us at MainstreamMentalHealth.org. And we have a lot of social media connections. And if you go down to the bottom of the first page, you can hook up with all our social media that way, from Instagram to Facebook and you know Twitter, all of that stuff. And we put out daily uh, reminders of different things on mental health. Uh, you know, we get requests from patients, hey, I'm going through this. And, you know, within a few days, we usually have stuff up on that for you if we don't answer you directly when you email us. So. All right. And I will point out that it sounds like positive social media engagement, right? <laughs> that's what I want. And that's what, I, that's what we need to learn. You know, we survived Elvis. We'll survive this. That's right. We will. We'll continue on. What a pleasure to have you on Let's Talk America Radio. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Welcome back, listeners, to your national award-winning news talk program, Let's Talk America. Well, of course, here on the program, we put the spotlight on those trending issues you want to know more about. And what matters more than, hey, your kids, the health of them, their diet, all of that that comes along. I'm so honored right now to welcome the one and only pediatrician and critically acclaimed Arthur, Dr. Tanya Altman. Oh, Dr. Altman, welcome to the program. Good morning, Shana. Thanks for being on with us. Now, I'm holding your book, What to Feed Your Baby. What a fascinating title. It's a pediatrician's guide to the 11 essential foods. Having kids myself, they're not infants or babies anymore, but so many parents struggle with the diet and hoping it works, and so many kids have the allergies or the lactose intolerance. Help us out. Definitely. You know, I find that parents are coming to my office every day now with more and more questions. And I find that, you know, a lot of times there, there's so much information available now online, on the Internet, and they're seeing all these, like, trendy celebrity trends, and they'll come into my office and say, hey, we're thinking about going dairy-free, you know, what do you think? And so I find that when I explain to them, you know, the health implications, in fact, we just teamed up with the National Osteoporosis Foundation on a study, and we found that Six out of ten moms are actually limiting dairy in their own diet, and whatever parents do always trickles down to their kids. So you want to make sure that you really, um, you know, set this good, um, that you're really a good role model for your kids. And when your kids aren't getting enough of any one food group, there are going to be health implications. 
I mean, so you said a lot. I mean, when I grew up, I'm a Generation Xer, but we were told that, you know, dairy's good. It helps with your bone growth. And you're right. It seems to be so many celebrity trends or fads and even some individuals who are claiming to be medical experts. And being a journalist, I can tell you that's give or take here and there. I mean, with the <laughs> fake news and everything going on. But so many parents do get caught up in that, and they seem not to be checking it with the pediatrician first. But, I mean, I'm assuming that if they can, unless there's some serious health issue, most kids still should be getting some dairy? You know, they really should. So the recommendations have always been two to three servings of dairy products a day. And, you know, it's something that we've sort of forgotten about recently. But you really can't replace the nutrition in a cup of milk. There's eight grams of quality protein. There's very good calcium and vitamin D that's easy for your body to absorb, not to mention potassium and other nutrients. And if your children aren't drinking milk, they're often lacking in the nutrition that they need for proper growth and development. Oh, wow, and that's important. Let me ask this. I'm going to fast forward talking about my family, for instance. We have an older toddler. He is five years old, and he loves milk, but in particular, it's chocolate milk for those parents out there with that on their mind saying, well, okay, you're saying that almond, that the milk is good, the dairy product, they like it, but when you add the chocolate, I guess I'm thinking as an adult, is that the sugar, and I know they say excess sugar can be bad? Help. So, you know, that's a great question, and um, whether it's white milk or chocolate milk or fat-free milk or whole milk, it all still has the same high-quality protein and calcium and vitamin D and other nutrition that your child really needs. So if he likes his chocolate milk, you know, in the afternoon or after school, I'd say go for it because at least we know that he is getting a good amount of nutrition along with the flavor. Okay, so great advice. I know you cover the essential foods kids need. I have to bring this up, sugar, reading labels. I know when we're talking about dairy products or others, what's your advice as a pediatrician? You know, I try to teach parents every day how to read labels in my office. And fewer ingredients is always best. So if you look at, let's say, the ingredients on a milk carton, it really has milk, vitamin A, and vitamin D. If you look at other cartons and it has, you know, 10 ingredients and you can't pronounce some of them, that's usually something that you don't want your child to eat or drink. So whole natural food is always a better choice. Oh, wow. And that's great advice. So you're saying instead of struggling trying to pronounce it, it's probably not the healthiest. (laughs) Exactly. I love that advice. Now, let me put the spotlight on food allergies and food intolerance. I have so many friends who kids have these issues and concerns, and they seem like they're in a trapped in a wall of what the kid can't have, and the kid ends up being able to eat one or two things. Help those parents out there. Sure. So, you know, true food allergies are very serious. Um, However, I find that most of the time when families feel that their child might have a sensitivity or intolerance to a certain food group, especially dairy, they can often still handle small amounts on a regular basis, especially if the rest of their diet, you know, is, is often healthy. And usually if we go through their entire diet, it's not always the item that the parents think it is that's necessarily causing the issue. So I always like to caution parents against trying to substitute a glass of milk with a, new, with a milk substitute because what they often don't realize is that while milk has eight grams of high-quality protein per serving, most milk substitutes only have one gram, and they don't have the same calcium and vitamin D. So it's really not an equivalent, and you really have to look at your child's you know, whole diet to ensure they're getting everything that they need. Um, that said, there's a lot of great new research coming out on food allergies and the importance of introducing things at an early age, and that's why when you look at my What to Feed Your Baby book, I really recommend getting in the nut butter and the fruits and the vegetables and the fish and the eggs and the dairy products such as yogurt starting at six months of age. Oh, wow. 
So that's interesting because I think sometimes people say, well, with nuts and, and the yogurt, maybe it should be later on because they're afraid of the allergies. But you're saying introduce them early and that perhaps, I'm putting this in there, could that help? So we do have good data that shows that introducing peanut butter, peanut products early can decrease the chance that your child will become allergic to peanuts later on in life. And when it comes to other things like yogurt, there's so much great nutrition and benefits to introducing yogurt at six months of age, and it just gets your child used to, used to eating healthy foods, used to having dairy products on a regular basis. So I say go for it. Everything healthy and a consistency that your child can handle early on and regularly. I have to say this, there's the S word, the stress that comes with so many parents. There's someone sitting in Fort Lauderdale, Florida right now saying, I have tried this. I have a child that is a picky eater um, from day one as an infant. Maybe they fussed over the milk. Now they're three and four years old and they just want their crackers and they just want their milk. Help them out. Definitely. So, you know, um, you're your child's best role model. So you want to get your kids involved. Take them to the grocery store. Let them pick things out. Let's say they're on green vegetable strike. Well, maybe say, hey, pick out a green vegetable, and you're going to help mommy cook tonight. Okay. Let's say they, you know, they're, they're not drinking their milk. Well, make it fun. Throw the milk in the blender. Let them choose the fruit to add in with it. And just keep introducing it to them. If you take a certain food item out of your child's life because let's say they don't like it, they're going to forget about it. But if you keep showing them that you eat it every day, put it on the table anyway, they will eventually go back to eating it. And that is probably true for vegetables as well, I'd imagine, because so many toddlers seem to uh, go on strike with those veggies. (laughs) Definitely. If you don't eat your green green veggies as a parent, your kids won't either. Okay, and that's important. I've asked this before you uh, leave it with us. You know, parents, it's mealtime, it's dinner. There's so much emphasis now of saying eat as a family. I do believe more and more community members throughout the country are doing that, Uh, but often maybe they're like me or households next door, my neighbors, the kids sit down and they're saying, I don't want to eat, I'm not hungry, and I'm thinking, are we guilty of giving them snacks so much that it's overriding their dinner time? Help us out on that. Definitely. So you're right. We're we're all very busy, and it may not be practical to have a family dinner every single night. But pick a few nights a week or have a family morning breakfast or brunch on the weekend because family time is so important. I do find that a lot of kids being picked up late from school and daycare, they're getting these crackers in the afternoon and snacks, and then they're not hungry for dinner. So you want to make sure that you sort of balance out everything that your child's eating. And I like to take every eating opportunity, whether it's a meal or a snack, to get healthy nutrition in. So if it's just empty calories that your child's eating, get rid of it. It's just going to fill them up. You really want to ensure that your child's getting all the calcium they need, vitamin D they need, and protein, um, and other nutrients you know every day. So any way that you can sneak that in, and maybe it's adding a glass of milk with fewer crackers for an afternoon snack. Maybe it's making a smoothie. And you know what? If they are eating everything healthy throughout the day, and they don't want to eat dinner, that might be okay, but you really need to take a full diet history with your pediatrician to make sure they're getting in everything that they need. And before we officially go, talking about drinking, washing it all down, uh, milk, of course, I've heard so many pediatricians say is is the best thing, along with water, H2O, and so much of us, uh, so many of us say the juice, we give them juice, juice, because it's on sale at the grocery store. How important is water, and, and how bad, not beating up on any one product, but how bad is the juice or excessive juice? So water is one of the best things you can get your children used to at a young age. Six months of age, I start giving sips of plain water. You want to keep your child away from juices and sweet-tasting beverages, not only because there's a lot of extra sugar and there's often very little nutrition, but it also gets their brain used to wanting sweet beverages at a young age. 
So really, water and milk is all kids should be drinking. And again, you want to take advantage of getting all of that nutrition in whenever you can. See, you just gave us a parenting challenge that we're going to have to check in with our listeners on. But you're saying milk and water, stay away from the juices as much as possible. I'm going to challenge my own family to that. Dr. Alvin, what a pleasure to have you on. Where can we go for more information about everything you discuss and your book? Definitely. So for more information on the benefits of dairy and some great recipes to incorporate into your family's diet, check out MilkLife.com. And my book, What to Feed Your Baby, is available everywhere on Amazon. And my website is DrTanya.com. What a helpful book. Thanks for joining us here on Let's Talk America Radio. Thank you. I'm LaAngela from the Atlanta metro area, and I listen to Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton. My name is Shana. I'm four years old, and I listen to Let's Talk America. Welcome back, listeners, to your national award-winning news talk program, Let's Talk America. Well, of course, here on the program, we put the spotlight on those trending topics you want to know more about, and you should know that osteoporosis isn't your grandmother's disease. The women as young as 50 can be impacted. In fact, a fracture could be the first clue that a postmenopausal woman has the silent disease creeping. And here to help clarify some of those fractured truths, Surrounding osteoporosis is the one and only Dr. Tara Allman, gynecologist and author of Menopause Confidential. Doctor, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. I feel very welcome. Oh, and we are excited to welcome you with open arms because this is a very serious health condition that I think a lot of families throughout America, we just don't know enough about. And we know there are a lot of myths, there are a lot of urban uh, myths out there and rumors. Help us break down what is we need to know. i got to ask this first. Why is a broken bone um, a cause for concern? Because we say, well, hey, they broke this, they broke that. What's the big deal? Well, a broken bone is often the first sign that you have the disease, osteoporosis. So I'm here today partnering with Radius Health, the National Osteoporosis Foundation, and Healthy Woman to bring to your attention a new survey that shows that 87% of postmenopausal women who have fractured a bone are not yet making the connection to osteoporosis. Now, this is such an important point that I want your listeners to, make, to understand. Yeah. If, you, if you fracture a bone from a standing position or just getting out of a chair or let's say you slip on the curb and fracture a bone, this is considered a low-impact fracture. And menopausal women, especially in their 50s and 60s, okay. don't realize that they may have osteoporosis. According to the surveys, because they're thinking of other things. They're thinking about breast cancer or heart attacks or stroke. Yeah. They are Absolutely. not thinking about osteoporosis in this younger group, but that's what we're going to do today, Shana. I love that, and what great information. I think you're right. Here on Let's Talk America Radio, we cover the gamut of health concerns, but I think it is important that we are very uh, fair, that we're covering everything that matters and impacts lives, such as osteoporosis. I've got to ask you this. This seems to be a very uh, hot question uh, for myself personally. What can women of all ages do to protect their bones today, right now? Women of all ages have to live a bone-healthy life, and that means that we have to eat calcium-rich and vitamin-D-fortified foods. 
We have to avoid smoking. We have to limit our alcohol consumption. We have to not fall down because if we fall down, we can break a bone. But so importantly, I want your listeners to know that it's the postmenopausal time period when women are no longer making estrogen, which is so very bone protective, that women will start losing bones. So it's really your group in their 50s and 60s that I want to help make the connection to the disease because healthcare professionals apparently are not helping women make this connection. If you fracture a bone, they take care of the bone fracture, but they're not then having a conversation about osteoporosis in this younger group. And one-third of women with risk factors don't even know they have the disease, and eight, women, eight million women in America have the disease. So let's help them all learn whether they have it or not and what they can do about it. Let's talk about, I painted a very clear and vivid picture for our listeners right now, uh, osteoporosis that's not addressed or not uh, treated. If we say, well, it, it's one more thing, I'm not really going to be concerned with that, what are the serious consequences or end results of it? Well, the worst possible thing that can happen from the disease osteoporosis is that you can fracture your hip. There's no worse fracture than that for women. Fifty percent of women who break their hip will die within the first few months. So. Wow. We, want to, we have to avoid fracturing bones in the first place. And it's the postmenopausal crowd, the 50-somethings and the 60-somethings, who really need to get an education so we don't wind up being a little old lady who fractures a bone. But this is not a disease of little old ladies, Shana. This I is see. a disease of all postmenopausal women. So, I, again, I want all of your listeners to head over to the Fractured Truth Campaign website. Okay fracturedtruths.com. And let me tell you why, because they have videos that will really clearly explain the disease and the risk factors and what women should and should not be doing. And even more importantly, there is a doctor discussion guide that women can see to help them with the language that they need to bring up this conversation with their own healthcare professional. Well, let me ask you this. Talking about urban myths and, and busting the truth open on osteoporosis, I think one of the things that some individuals of previous generations, even Generation X and some of the older millennials can think, well, osteoporosis is my grandmother's disease, and typically it's for little thin ladies that are underweight. Um, but I recently found out that's not always true, right? I mean, it can even be women who are obese. Is that correct? Yes, all women, especially postmenopausal women, are at risk. Now, I'm a baby boomer, so let me talk to all your Gen X millennials and whoever, whatever else is in the middle there that I don't know. <laughs> all, all women have to be concerned about this disease, especially the postmenopausal crowd, especially the 50 and 60 somethings, especially yes. if you've already broken a bone. So, uh, to all the young ones, I want you to listen up. To all the 50-somethings, I'm in your group. To all the 60-somethings, listen to me, sisters. This is the time to get your education is today. Don't wait till you're your grandmother's age. Wow. And I know one of the risk factors you said, postmenopausal, but there are any other things? I mean, is it race? Is it weight? Are there other, if mom had it or grandmother had it, are we more at risk to develop it? Well, being thin is a risk factor. Uh, being Asian is a risk factor because you start out with thinner bones. Being a smoker, drinking too much alcohol. If your parent had, has osteoporosis or fractured a bone, that puts you more at risk. So, yes, there are independent risk factors for the disease, but the most critical point today 
is being a postmenopausal woman because you're not making estrogen anymore, and estrogen is very bone protective. So it's in that early few years after you've stopped having menstrual cycles that you are actively losing bone. And if you've had a fracture in your 50s, the first thing you should start thinking about is osteoporosis. I think. And when we've covered other uh, diseases on this show, uh, they're saying, well, we can go get a test uh, for a breast cancer. We can get mammogram and, and for colon cancer, colonoscopies. But when it comes to osteoporosis, is there any sort of test or anything that we can do to see if we're at risk or if we actually have the disease? Yes, you can absolutely get a bone density. And this conversation really should be had with your healthcare professional. Okay. So if you have risk factors and you're going to learn about that when you head over to FracturedTruth.com, I repeated that website because everything bears repeating when you get to be a menopausal woman, Shana. And I know because I am a menopausal woman. Yes. So uh, you'll, you'll, you really, really have to have an in-depth discussion with your own healthcare professional to find out if you have the disease and what can be done about it. It. I see. So important. I know you mentioned it before, but I've got to ask one last time. Where can our listeners go? Uh, women and men, because obviously I'm sure men can be at risk for osteoporosis too. Yes, men can absolutely get osteoporosis. And I don't want to exclude you, men. I hope you're listening to me as well. <laughs> I want all the men and women listening to your show today, Shana, to go to FracturedTruth.com. You will all learn a lot. I love that. Great information. What an honor to have you on, Doctor. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Shirley, and we just love listening to Let's Talk America with host Shana Thorpe. Hi, my name is Kavarga, and I listen to Let's Talk America. Hi, my name is Nicole Dodd, and I'm tuning in every Tuesday at 7.30 to Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton. This is Audrey, and I'm listening to Let's Talk America with Shana Thornton. This is such an awesome show. If you're not connected, you really need to be. Welcome back to Let's Talk America Radio. We're on the air and we're on the air to say it's been one phenomenal show. That's a wrap. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back on next week, same time, same place, Tuesday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And I do want you to know that we appreciate you tuning in and listen to any part of this episode again at your convenience. Listen to the podcast episode. Simply visit ltaradio.com. Well, you know, we love highlighting great news and also phenomenal music. And tonight, it's a song by a woman that's a personal friend of this show, Davina Williams. The name of this song is Abide. Abide by Davina Williams. Enjoy the tunes. And remember, Let's Talk America Radio offers news, talk, and music. We aim to keep you informed. Let's Talk America Radio was an entity of Patchett and Thomas Enterprises, LLC. All content original, copyright 2017. Views of the guests are their own. They do not reflect those of the staff of Let's Talk America Radio. For more information, please visit www.ltaradio.com. The reason why I'm still alive, that's why I have to abide. I'm free to worship you every day. I'm free to celebrate your holy name if I abide in you. I'm free. I feel I'm so far from you, Lord, but still I hear you calling me, even when I'm wrong, you protect me with your loving arms, I can hear your voice when I call. me.
Oh, oh, oh. 